Anthony Diorio was involved with Ethereum since the earliest days. He was one of the first people to see the Ethereum ideas presented by Vitalik Buterin, and he invested deeply in Ethereum, both financially and by helping to establish the early Ethereum community. Anthony started Decentral in 2014. Decentral is a hub for his projects in the cryptocurrency space, the most impactful project being Jax. Jax is a blockchain wallet that can hold multiple different cryptocurrencies. It works by connecting a small client-side application to remote full nodes. The user interface is simple, and Jax maintains the full node instances that the small client-side application connects to. We discuss the architecture of Jax in more detail during this episode. We also talk about Anthony's background, which includes a wide range of businesses, marketing, patio door manufacturing, real estate, and eventually blockchains. Anthony had a wealth of information to provide around entrepreneurship, both inside and outside of the blockchain space, and it was great talking to him. If you're looking for all 700 episodes of Software Engineering Daily, you can check out our apps on the iOS or Android App Store. We've got tons of episodes on blockchains, business, distributed systems, tons of other topics. If you want to become a paid subscriber of Software Engineering Daily, you can hear all of our episodes without ads, and you can subscribe at softwaredaily.com. All of the code for our apps is open source, so if you're looking for an open source community to be a part of, come check us out at github.com slash softwareengineeringdaily. Anthony DiOrio, you are the co-founder of Ethereum and the founder of Jax. Welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. You were involved in Ethereum very early on. What were you doing before you got into Ethereum? So in 2012, I heard about Bitcoin. It radically changed my life. Before that, I've always been a tech person. I was building computers when I was eight years old. I was born in 75. So, I, so each, each decade kind of had a big moment for me. The first decade of my life was personal computers. I was just a computer person in the family growing up. The second decade was all about uh, BBSs and modems before the internet came about. Third decade was all about the internet for me. That's where I had a, you know, saw my first web browser in the early 90s, and that was that was game changing. And started developing websites in the early 90s, and that was my first business. I went to school for business and worked with the family business in 2000, about 2008. And then in 2012, I was uh, really digging into economics for a couple of years, really looking at what had happened in the financial crisis and the housing crisis. Heard about Bitcoin. I'm like, this is it. This is the I saw right away it would be more important than the internet as for the first time ever you could move value now like you move information or as simple as an email without needing third parties or intermediaries. And I saw that the disruption that would happen in the internet with information was now going to happen with value transfer. So in 2012, I started uh, setting up the Toronto Bitcoin scene. I started the Toronto Bitcoin meetup group and I was started building wallets. Uh, I realized that the wallet is similar to what the browser is for the, for the internet. The, the, the wallet enables you to move and manage digital assets. So I started building wallets. And about a month after I launched my wallet company, Vitalik Buterin, someone who I'd known from the first meetups that I'd set up in 2012, showed me the white paper for Ethereum. I showed it to some colleagues. Five of us became the first, the founders of it. I funded the project and it ran out of my shop called Decentral, which is where I'm broadcasting from right now in Toronto. And uh, that started a real whirlwind of us uh, creating something that's the second biggest thing to Bitcoin, hit as high as $110 billion market cap. And that's kind of the, the history in a nutshell there for me before and before Ethereum and, and what we did with Ethereum. Tell me about your early interactions with 
the Ethereum community and Vitalik in particular? Sure. So in 2012, when I set up the first Bitcoin meetup, uh, he was one of, I think, eight people or 10 people that was at the event. So I got to know him right right when I started out in Bitcoin. He was at the time at University of Waterloo in Toronto, just outside of Toronto. And he was a very shy and timid person, very under-socialized. And, and I saw his progression over that year, 2012 to 2013, when he was decided to drop out of Waterloo and travel the world, uh, working on different blockchain projects and seeing the struggles people were having to try to build things on top of Bitcoin, to do more complex things on top of Bitcoin. So I would be going to different conferences around the world and doing speaking engagements as he was. And he was writing for and started a magazine called Bitcoin Magazine. And he was doing stories on me for the stuff that I was doing here in Canada and in Toronto. So we got to build up a good relationship. And I really enjoyed my time with him. And through that year, he had started doing some stuff on our wallet company. And then it was a perfect fit for him to show me the white paper. We just had a really good connection. And he would come down when he was in Toronto. We'd hang out quite a bit. And he kept coming to the events that we were doing. So that was the early relationship with him. And uh, it was kind of a no-brainer when he showed me the paper. Our relationship led to us, to me going, yeah, this, this is the next big thing. Bitcoin is great. It's good for currency. But with Ethereum, you can pretty much see the disruption with value transfer in, in every other sector. There are some people who were driven in the early days mostly by this aversion to the problems of the global economy. And you, you touched on those a little bit earlier. Those, what you were, those are the topics you were digging into around 2012. And then I think on the Ethereum side of things, there are people who are feeling a strong aversion to the centralization of large companies like Google or Amazon. But I think there are also other people who just see this as completely greenfield technology. They see it not necessarily as disruptive, but perhaps complementary or partially disruptive and also complementary. What was the sense of the Ethereum community in the early days? And particularly with Vitalik also, was it more about building just fresh new technology or was it really about this kind of disruptive nature? I think it was all those things and everything in between. I don't like to classify people in groups. So to say like the Ethereum community and to bulk it into a group of people with one characteristic is probably not the best characterization of, of an entire community. So you get different people from different backgrounds, different political beliefs, different future, future beliefs of where they want things to go. It's a wide range. So in our organization, in Ethereum, you had people from all different aspects. I'm a moderate. I consider you know, myself to be a, a mid-decentralist or a moderate decentralist. I think decentralization is great. I think that uh, it's good when you have the technology that it does improve certain areas. But for me, like in terms of leadership capabilities and things, I, I believe in the way that I run my business is that I own my business. I fund my business. Uh, I'm the vision behind what I do at Decentral here. And my brand is called Decentral. That's where Ethereum came out of. And that's where Jax is, is made by Decentral, my, my company. Jax is our product. But I do believe that th- some things are good to be decentralized right now. A lot of things like governance structures and things like that, maybe not the best thing to decentralize right now. So you get a wide range of people from the moderate to the more extreme and the community back then and the community now in the whole crypto space, not just the Ethereum space, is either, you know, fits into one of those things and many areas in between. So I, I don't think it's a, it's a group kind of characteristic. You get people from all, all areas and all thoughts and beliefs, and you have to learn to deal with those communities in unique ways and kind of be very diplomatic to appease and to kind of work together with everybody to create synergies. So it's a wide range of, of views. It's not just really extreme decentralization or no decentralized. A lot of areas in between uh, in the communities. Many people who are entering this space 
or who have been in it for a while are exploring business ideas. And you've been exploring business ideas for a while in the blockchain space. Like you said, you eventually wound up starting Jax. I think that's been your most successful foray into a blockchain-related business. Do you have any tips for how people can explore business ideas in the blockchain space, people who want to be entrepreneurs and start businesses? Sure. I mean, I, I, I think right now my biggest thing was probably doing Ethereum. Uh, but what we do with Jax is what my focus is on on right now. And Decentral is kind of the, the hub for it all. And we have some projects coming out that we'll be announcing soon that are kind of taking things to the, to the next level as we kind of get come out of a stealth mode. But I think for people in the space, and I was really passionate about the space in 2012, and, and I set about to see how I could utilize my entrepreneurial skills in this space and create value. It's all about creating value. So I, I, when people ask me, you know, what should I do? I want to get into this. What do I do? I don't know. I say, get to as many events as you can, get to as many meetups as you can, be immersed, start building your network, and start learning what are the skills and traits that you have that are going to be able to create value in areas that need to be filled in in, in, in the space. So it's really about translating what you've done and what you're good at and the passion that you have for the space that you're in and the skills that you have to try to, try to create value and try to create something that people are going to enjoy because you're adding a new element to or improving their lives in something. So it's all about creating value. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of value in the blockchain space right now. There's a lot of ideas, a lot of concepts, a lot of executional deficiencies, but it will take time and the real value will shine through just like we saw with the with the internet bubble and, and uh, what we went through in the late 1990s before the, the dot-com bubble is we're in this really hyped up uh, ecosystem that we know will be disruptive and change and be game changing, be super important. But a lot of the value in the day-to-day stuff that people are going to get out of it isn't really going to shine through for a while. So you, do you think that there's a, a requisite amount of patience that people have to have? Because we can look at the, the potential of this space, but there are problems in scalability that just are going to take some iterative, incremental engineering that it's just going to take time, right? There's no silver bullet. It, it seems like there's, you know, the idea of trying to figure out the silver bullet business that you could start today is maybe not the right approach. And maybe the right approach is, like you said, just getting immersed and really understanding this from a fundamentals level and, and building a community. Yeah, that's exactly. It's going to take time and it's okay that it's going to take time. And I don't concern myself with scalability problems. There's much... Uh, smarter, more technical people that are focusing on those problems. I look to try to create value now and create tools and interfaces that the masses can start learning about the technology and understanding how to use it. And we like to support, you know, many different ecosystems and many different sectors. I mean, Jack's right now, we have 70 or so different projects that we support. We've got hundreds of partners. So it's all about creating the tools and interfaces that are going to take it to the masses. And that's what we're creating is really like the browser for the space and what we're doing with Jax. It's the interface, just like the, the browser was for information transfer and movement. We're creating the browser or the interface for the entire ecosystem in order to understand the technology. So we figured a niche. We found out that we want to be that, that interface that everybody can use. And it's created value now. And it, it's something that doesn't need, need any technological problem solving, except for a lot of the infrastructure that we built out, which has taken about a year and a half to build scalable infrastructure to all the blockchains. That's, that was our biggest achievement with Jax, and now we're ready to scale and grow. But the things that we're doing moving forward don't really rely on technical problems being solved. We kind of push that off to other projects and allow them to solve those problems while we create the tools and interfaces for the masses. When you said there about integrating with a lot of different projects, uh, a lot of different blockchains. So Jax, for people who don't know, 
You founded it in 2016. It's a blockchain wallet that holds multiple different types of currencies. Is it hard to integrate with all those different currencies, or is tacking on an additional currency just pretty straightforward? Like, is uh, you know Dash just as easy to implement integration with as Bitcoin? So Dash is its own chain. Anything that's its own chain that requires a lot more, it requires a lot more infrastructure. So something like Bitcoin was the first one that we did. And it was actually in 2013, I started building wallets and the predecessor of Jax was called CryptoKit. And we launched in 2013. It was actually before we started Ethereum. So I started building Bitcoin wallets back then. And then after, after when Ethereum, when we did Ethereum, it's like, oh, there's more than Bitcoin here. So right after the crowd sale in 2014, while I was still doing stuff with Ethereum, we continued making wallets and created the first Ethereum wallet. So CryptoKit created a, a Bitcoin wallet and an Ethereum wallet. And then in the start of 2015, I made it my mission to create a single interface that's multi-platform, multi-chain, to create a single place that the masses can, can utilize this whole new blockchain technology. And we started building Jax in 2015. We launched in 2016. Uh, we focus on infrastructure and the backends. We're kind of like the AWS to all the blockchains. We provide all the backend infrastructures to all these many chains. And that's what we spent the last year and a half perfecting a scalable infrastructure that can grow to support 10, 20, 30 million users. And now we're going to start the growth stage this year, now that we've got all the infrastructure in place. And putting new chains on had been difficult in the past because we're a very lightweight app. You don't need to download the whole blockchain to use our product. It's literally like under 10 megs. And to be able to have it sync across all devices and to also be able to have our users hold on to their keys. There's no custodianship that we never have access to funds or, or holding customer funds. The customers actually hold their own keys. So they sign transactions on their local devices and then we help them push it to the networks. So putting on new chains like Dash is more challenging than putting on, let's say, another ERC-20 token on Ethereum. So it's its own chain and anything with its own chain does take more work to do. Uh, but ERC-20 tokens, which is the the token system within Ethereum, where you can uh, use the Ethereum security and Ethereum platform in order to create a new project, and it bakes in the security on Ethereum in your token. And those are much simpler to actually initiate and do, and they're, they're very simple for us to do. But ones that have their own chains are definitely much more complex, and we've tackled a really big, you know, we are the only multi-currency, multi-platform, and it, it, it is a challenge and chore when, when a lot of people just focus just on Bitcoin, we said we're going to do them all. So it has been a real development feat what we've done, and it's taken you know years to do it, and but we have gotten an edge, and so we're now ready to scale and grow this year. The different models of nodes I've seen. There's obviously the full nodes. These are the the nodes that are doing a proof of work, and they have to keep all of the transaction history, which takes up a lot of space. And then there's simplified payment verification nodes or light clients Ooh, light of different clients, yeah. varying kinds. And these don't need to keep all of the transaction history. They keep a condensed version of it that allows them to verify and make some Just transactions. Like the, headers, the headers, yeah. The headers, right. Yeah. But then there's this also, also this model where you have something that is like an SPV node, something that is like a payment verification node, but it interacts with a remote full node, like a remote client. And I think this is like yeah. what, what MetaMask does, for example. So what is your approach with JAX? What's the, the architecture of the wallet? So the full node system is, a, is something that obviously you can't have people on a mobile app. Like our goal is to be portable, secure, and ease of use. Those are the three elements that we had to kind of balance in order to create our product. So we needed portability, which means that we wanted to be able to, to be used on any platform. 
we're on eight different platforms right now. So Android, iOS, uh, tablet versions, Chrome extension, uh, desktop versions, Linux. So the goal there was to, is to make sure that you can sync across all platforms. That was one of our things. But that portability means that you can actually require people to download massive amounts of data. So a full note is right out the window for us because they were talking gigs of gigs per chain. Even to do a light client and download the headers is, would, wouldn't be feasible either because now you're downloading, let's say you've got 70 different chains. Can you imagine, can you imagine having to, to download even the headers, which is many, many, many tens of, of like, like huge. So we couldn't do that either. So the system we have is extremely light. It does, it does uh, communicates with our servers. Okay, so you're not downloading anything on your end. You're basically, you have your keys on your device so that when you create a, a new wallet in JAX, you're given a 12-word key, which is randomly generated on your device. That 12-word key is basically your key to your whole new digital world. That enables you to derive the keys for any blockchain that we have now or will ever be added on. And that also includes identity systems, communication system. That 12-word key gives you your Bitcoin keys, your Ethereum keys, your Litecoin, all of your keys. So basically what you're doing is you're just communicating with our nodes and signing transactions on your local device. You sign a transaction, it then pushes it, and we send it on our network. Very lightweight, very quick, can be used on any devices. Those 12-word keys are not stored on any server anywhere. We don't have access to them. They communicate directly with the blockchains, and we're just like an interface. We're like a gateway or a path that connects a key system to an into a visual interface to all these different blockchains. That's basically what, what our value add is. Right, so... What should be emphasized here is that wallet is perhaps the wrong term to use. I mean, it's the term that we have adopted, but a wallet in Bitcoin if, or, or cryptocurrencies, if people don't know, is a place to store your keys. That's all it is. It's not like it's store. It's not really storing your money. It's storing the keys, which gives you the rights to those transactions that are on various blockchains. So if I understood you correctly, what your value proposition is really the consistent interface for interacting with all these different blockchains. And I guess the interface will consistently have secure communication between my wallet, the client that's running on my local device, and a hosted version of the entire chain that is on Jack's servers. Is that right? That's exactly right. And it's got to be fast. Like We've got to communicate and be able to sign from your mobile device. It's, it, the value add really is that we're serverless in terms of there's no login, there's no username. You have the key. The key is located on your device. That's what you need to sign transactions. So there's no server storing anything. So you can sync across eight devices just by scanning a QR code, which actually syncs your keys together from device to device. But we're not holding. There's no passwords that we're storing anywhere. There's nothing even encrypted anywhere. It's basically your 12-word key is encrypted on your device. You have access to it. You've got to make sure your, your devices are secure. If your device is not secure or, or some, you give your device to someone else and you haven't put any protection on your device, they could access your wallet just like they can access your email and access your other things. So we are a balance of portability, security, and ease of use. And there are more secure things if you want to have like life-changing amounts on a wallet, put it in cold storage, put it, use a hardware device to do that. Those are made specifically for, for cold storage, for offline devices. For us, in order to balance the portability, ease of use and security, we're a hot wallet. We enable you to make payments from your phone. We enable you to send from person to person. If you want to sync it with your desktop and your iPhone, you can do that. We make it so you don't need to download any large files or anything. It's very fast. There's no sign-up screens. There's no username, password. We don't collect any user information. There's no email address to sign up. Nothing like that. Frictionless, easy to use. We're very privacy-focused. 
And our goal is to create that interface, that single thing that the masses can utilize to finally understand what this whole technology is about and how they can be in control of their digital lives by owning the keys to this whole new digital world. And what is the business model? How do you make money? Sure. So we charge for integrations in our wallet. So uh, new projects that want to get exposed to our user base and and to be able to have a wallet for all of their customers, they approach us or we approach them and, and we we basically do deals with them in order to integrate their token into into our into Jax. So that's one aspect of a monetization. The other aspect is is partnerships. So service providers. Shapeshift right now is our one integrated service provider, and Shapeshift enables you to move back and forth between different tokens and different currencies. And we make a fee from Shapeshift. So we don't charge our customers anything. We're a free app. We're free to use our product, free to use our partner services, but our partners actually charge fees. And our partners give us a percentage of the fees. So if you're in JAX and you want to get Litecoin and you've got Bitcoin, you use Shapeshift. Shapeshift charges a fee for that to the user, and we get a percentage of that fee paid directly from Shapeshift to us. That's an example of one of hundreds of partners that we have that will be integrated in our new version of JAX that's coming out in the next few months. And we'll have like an app store in there. So our partners include BitPay, they, they include Coinbase, they include uh, Bittrex. Think of us as the, the Chrome extent, the Chrome wallet, sorry, the Chrome browser with extensions. Chrome provides you an interface for moving information. It connects you to the internet. Well, we're, we're an interface that connects you to move value. And our partners in any company in the blockchain space will have a value to be inside of Jax. It's almost like having a website. You need a website, we're the browser, we'll connect you to all the chains, we'll connect you to our user base, we'll make it very easy on many different platforms. So we really, really create wins for the entire ecosystem and any company that's out there or any platform really wants to be partners with us and we'd love to be partners with them to expose their technologies and their services and their use cases to our users and to the masses. Well, it's a smart business model because you have the network effects of new currencies wanting to come onto your wallet so they will pay a tax to do that rather than you shifting the tax to the user and charging the user for additional transaction costs for using this nice interface. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. We do vet our projects. We make sure that there's something that aligns with us and, and, and it's not uh, you know picking up any program. There's thousands of them out there and there's a lot of garbage out there. But yeah, that's our model. Our model is to provide free services to our users to not charge to use our partner services. The partners actually charge that. We push off all the responsibility for KYC, AML, all obligations of all that, that regulatory stuff off to our partners. We don't hold on to customer funds, which means that we're not regulated because we don't have custodianship of money. It's really a perfect model that enables us to scale globally, to offer a free service, to charge our partners for more exposure to our users. We've got about, you know, we probably have somewhere between 1.2 and 2 million downloads. Uh, we've got about 700 to a million active monthly users right now. And that's really in a stealth mode. We don't really do any marketing or advertising yet. Uh, we've been focusing on infrastructure, but now we're ready to scale and grow to the 10 million, 15, 20 million. And to be that global interface, just like the browser was for, for information, we want to be that interface for value transfer. And all done in a way where the customers are in full control of their keys. Speaking of customers, I did a show with Shapeshift recently, and you, you mentioned them. You have, you have a partnership with Shapeshift. And the operations of that company are complicated because mm. 
you have to build a customer success team and you also have to be careful with the customer success people because if you hire somebody that's malicious, they can operate with outside actors in order to have schemes that end up stealing money from the company itself, like certain, you know, chargeback schemes or or just, you know, th- outright theft. So what are the operational challenges for you? What are the operational challenges you have building Jax? Sure. So customer service, we've got a great team. They've been with us for a very long team. We got guys uh, internal in our office here in Toronto. So we do as much, uh, most of our staff is here in Toronto. We got about 40 here. And then we have a, a remote team in, in Romania that's been with us for about a year, year and a half. And it's just an amazing support team out there. But what are the things that we do, or sort of what are the challenges that we have is things like if there's an issue with shapeshift inside of our wallet, it's not our issue, but we get support requests. So our partners, a lot of times our customers won't know if there's an issue going on, whether it's us or whether it's with shapeshift. So some of the logistical issues is making sure that uh, we got good communication with our clients and also making sure we don't sh- throw shapeshift under the bus if they're having any issues. So it's all about customer service. It's all about support. It's all about educating people. That's what a lot of our stuff is, is on customer support and is about educating. A lot of it is user error. A lot of it's because we're dealing with 70-something chains, and you're going to have issues in one of those things. It's, it happens. So it's a new technology, and I guess the thing is it's the growing pains of a new sector that's very experimental still, yet we're dealing with people's money here, and people want things to work. So that's our, on us to make sure that that's happening, and we've come a long way. We've had our challenges. We've had our issues. But when you're dealing with so many different technologies and so many different new experimental services it's it's bound to happen and and we're doing well but uh, a lot of there is growing pains but i feel really comfortable where we are right now we got an amazing team we have great new products coming out we have you know hundreds of, of integration partners waiting to get onboarded in, in, into jacks and uh, our support is going down and down every day which is which is amazing and we've got a great product here and really happy with the whole team for, for pulling this together. And, and our goal is to help educate and bring people forward and understand why it's important to be in control of your lives, your money, your, your identity, your communications. It's super important for me, it is, but the paradigm shift hasn't happened yet. But I think it will down the road where we'll have more user controlled lives rather than third party controlled lives. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So I know we're nearing the end of, of our time. I just had a couple more questions. So one thing that struck me about looking at your background is you have a really varied set of interests. You've got things on your resume, like you, know, you did marketing, you worked in patio door manufacturing, geothermal drilling, real estate, and eventually blockchain stuff. And so you clearly have a lot of interests. And one thing I have noticed when I talk to entrepreneurs is a lot of them have a lot of interests. And there seems to be this tension between focusing on one specific business vertical at a time and really compounding in that area versus focusing on multiple things at once and being able to draw on disparate pieces of knowledge to build unique businesses. How do you look at that trade-off between focus and exploration? Oh, yeah. I've, I've got wild, wild ideas of things. And, and people think I'm nuts with a lot of stuff that I've been, been doing. But it's all about execution and carrying it forward. We just moved into a 15,000-square-foot facility here in Toronto. It's going to be like the Starship Enterprise, what I'm building out here. And it's well underway, and we've got a great team. We've got floating boardrooms. We've got hologram uh, receptionists. We've got immersive games that people outside of our office can actually drive around remote controlled cars by paying Bitcoin to unlock clues that have, well, we've got, it's crazy stuff, but we're actually carrying it out. And over the years, I've never been involved in something for so long as this, like this is since 2012 and I'm loving it every minute. 
And being an entrepreneur, I had done a number of different things. I was with a family business doing patio doors for a while. I did geothermal drilling until the government started getting involved with that and really started slowing things down. I had a massive drill that I was doing IKEA projects and things. But it's a lot of it's gaining knowledge and it's and it's learning how to be an entrepreneur and, and to manage people. And that really set me up that with my technology background to be in this space that I'm super super passionate about, and and thinking that that you know we will do something bigger than what we did with Ethereum. And that's my goal right now. Our goal, our project is to it's a project to help every other product in the ecosystem. And it's about really creating wins and synergies. And just along the way, I've been able to put things together and certain principles, like I don't take people's money. I don't raise capital. We create profits. We create value. I own 100% of the business, which means that I can be very efficient. If there's all these things I've put together that, that have given the ability to execute and create value. And it feels pretty good. People enjoy working here. We're very easy to bring in developers now. And we've got a really super cool space. And I think you're going to be hearing over the next few months about what our project is really about, because we're really in a stealth mode of what our entire product's about. And that'll be announced very shortly. So the idea of you owning the entire business, that's kind of heretical to many people who are starting businesses. You know, you're supposed to give equity to your employees and whatnot. What stops your employees from being like, uninspired because they don't have equity. What leads to that, to your decision-making there? Well, it's the vision. I mean, our goal is to create the technology that empowers people to be in control of their lives. We're here to to change the world. We're here to really empower people in, in all these third world countries and areas that really don't have access to the services that we're so used to and put people in control of their lives. And the technology enables that. And that's what we're doing with Jax is we're building the tools that empower people to be in control of their lives. And it's a really good vision I think people get behind. And what we do, instead of giving equity, which leads to a lot of complications and a lot of legal stuff, is basically we've got a coin program where every month we give X amount of coins to people to in the team, and they can trade it on an exchange, but they can't take it off the exchange, and they can build up a portfolio with the coin, and then every year at Christmas, they can remove some of it. So instead of doing all this legal stuff, instead of having all of this compliance stuff and all these things like this, we have a system where they're earning every month in coins, that they can grow and, and exchange and move around, and then they get it paid out uh, after some time. That's kind of their equity thing. So you have a chance actually to make more money with that and actually get paid out sooner than really with a, with a company sale. Like, what if I just decide to stay public and never never decide to sell? I find when you start giving away equity and you start raising capital and have to think about investors and have to think about, there's a lot, a lot of focus that can be pushed away from really executing. We've got a really motivated team here. Everybody's compensated well. I like to pay people well. That's what it's about. And then they share in, in the, the growth of the cryptocurrency space by being able to own different currencies as, as part of what they're doing here. And as we grow, they can grow and they're getting good in, intel about which projects to, to, to be part of. I invest in projects. I'm doing probably a couple every week right now. I advise and it gives them a good ecosystem where they can learn this whole sector and be involved in a company that's really been here since the very early days and is doing some really cool things. So motivation isn't an issue and not having not having equities has not been an issue either. Well, that's fascinating. Anthony, I really want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy, and I'll let you get on with the rest of your day. Thanks for coming on Software Engineering Daily. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the interview. Wow.